This is a When Walls Can Talk network podcast. If you're like me and have had an interest in creating your own podcast but don't really know where to get started, let me tell you about Anchor. Anchor is the completely free creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Once you've finished recording, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard across all podcast streaming platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership right from your very first episode. It's everything that you need to make and distribute a podcast all in one place. To get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, my name is Jeremy Haig, psychic medium, tarot reader, and proud nerd of the occult and the spiritual. I've been talking to the dead since before I can remember. Hearing their stories and listening to their lessons radically changed my life and taught me to become more curious and peel back the layers of the world around me. On this podcast, I invite you on a journey as we discuss spirituality hot topics with specialists and practitioners from across the witchcraft community, pull and explore monthly collective tarot readings, and recount lost or forgotten paranormal stories from around the world. This is When Walls Can Talk, the podcast. having me again absolutely this is the great part is that we can we don't have to do the the intro rigmarole because you were just here well i was you were even more just here from our listeners perspective because that was just two weeks ago and for us uh, we haven't been on zoom together since september so uh, hi it's so good to talk to you again it is so great to be back so excited to talk more paranormal yeah because now we get into the fun stuff not that yeah. everything else wasn't the fun stuff because I've already gotten comments, people being like, oh my God, this is so cool. But like, this is the part that most people know nothing about. And I forget that most people know nothing about because today we're talking ghosties. We're talking investigations. We're talking ghost hunting, all of it. Mm-hmm. And you have so much experience. So I'm going to tap and, and pull all of that out of you for our listeners who probably know nothing about ghost hunting or ghost investigating. So I guess... We've talked a little bit about kind of where ghost uh, hunting and investigating came up in your past um, and kind of where that was inspired by. I guess my next mm-hmm. question is now, as you were getting ready for specific uh, investigations that you do, what uh, what is your process? What's your approach to investigating? So uh, obviously I start with researching the location. Okay. Um, you know, who owns it? A lot of the places here in Texas, which... I'm kind of finding is a little uncommon elsewhere. A lot of places here in Texas have owners or managers that run these places. Okay. So you have to get to the right person 
they're not, I mean, so far, the ones that I've gone to aren't like abandoned. Uh, well, for the most part, I've been to a couple that are kind of decrepit, but um, they still have an owner and a manager. It's just, they don't have electricity and water and everything. Got it. Um, but, you know, I do my research. I kind of take it with a grain of salt before I get there because okay. I do like to talk to anybody who is available there and see if I can get more of the history or just their experiences and not necessarily paranormal, just what do they know about the place? What have they heard about the place? What have they experienced, if anything? And then I kind of, it's kind of funny. I, I like to just go out on a whim and start recording. I don't usually do all of my research when I'm recording. Sure. And when I first started filming these, it was really about the history. So, I mean, I would get as much information as I could about the history and I would do like a write-up and sometimes we would do a voiceover. Sometimes I wouldn't do a voiceover or I would send one after, uh, after filming, but I really get a lot of my information after because that's when I've, I've done my research. Plus I've been there. Yeah. So I can combine the two. I can combine, you know, research with experience, but I just take things a step further. Like one of the first places that I went to had all of these crazy stories about the place and people believe it. And there's like ghost tours that advertise it with mm. those stories. And yeah. I went into, you know, public archives, newspaper records. And while the people in those stories exist, the stories were false. Yeah. And I just, I just really feel like that just does location such a disservice to make up these stories just to get people into the door. Um, hundred percent agree. And, and I will say that that so far, that's really only happened once. Um, my most recent location, nobody, nobody knows what happened there, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of my process as far as before I go and film and kind of like my filming. Yeah. Do you feel like the research assists you or the partial, I just, cause I guess my next question was going to be, and you kind of answered it for me already was, um, do you like to research ahead of time or do you prefer to kind of arrive at the location a little bit cold and just kind of see what happens? But I can imagine that having a little bit of an understanding as to like where hotspots are and where other people have documented alleged mm-hmm. experiences or whatever would kind of help, you know, um, a jumping off point for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I would recommend, and I do this to go ahead and research anywhere that you're going. If you don't get the answers that you're looking for, at least, you know, some of the history of the location. I mean, who, who built it, who owned it, who ran it, depending on what type of location, like I've been to jails, I've been to hotels, I've been to hospitals, um, just reading some of the literature behind them. But again, I take it with a grain of salt because I have had that experience where I read all of this history about a place and it ended up being mostly false. Yeah. Do most of the places that you go to, are you able to track down um, people who can share stories? Is that something that's easy to do or is that difficult to find people who are willing to kind of share what they might've seen or experienced? I think it depends on the location. I've, I've been to some where they don't really share. Um, Yeah. And then I've been to, I mean, recently I went to one and we had a gentleman there and he was with us the whole time. And I mean, the, the film is going to be like 
starring him. Really? (laughs) He was adorable though. Um, Sweetest man, a veteran. And he just had so much to say about this particular location. It was a very special location to him and very into the paranormal as well. So um, that was a really great experience. I've adopted him into my family. Oh, I Um, love that. Yes, he was wonderful. But then, you know, you, you go places and they just kind of open up the door and they say, okay, you've got your two, three, yeah. four, five, six hours, however long they let you in and leave you alone. <laughs> we have one of those in Denver, actually. I won't say the name just to respect the the intents of the owners of the property at the moment who are mm-hmm. really wanting to focus on the individual's stories in life, which I totally understand and I can totally appreciate I do know for a fact that it is insanely haunted and some of the apparitions that people have experienced there are like pretty A plus primo examples of like incredible paranormal activity. But um, oh, wow. some television shows, Ghost Adventures being one of them, um, have tried uh, valiantly actually to to let them film in this location but it's not the story that they want to tell. So they're not interested in really, it's hard to speak. I even looked into it myself. I was kind of reaching out in the hopes that maybe an employee might be willing to share some stories with me or, or kind of mm-hmm. uh, give me a, like a, a, their standard tour, but kind of just like add on <laughs> some stories uh, for the yeah. for the listeners. And I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. It's not really what they're looking to do there, but it's a, prime example of uh, places just opening their doors and they'll let paranormal uh, crowds in to just tour, but it's like, they're not particularly available to anything more than that. And on the uh, the other type of location you're just talking about is actually one that we will be talking about um, the week after this episode airs. And this one might uh, ruffle some feathers <laughs> a little bit. Um, we're talking about Waverly Hill Sanatorium which has a huge reputation because of what travel channel has done to the place and what the owners have chosen to to do to the place. And I'm not going to give anything away. Let's say it's not, not the stories are not, not true, but they're not particularly true either. You know, like it's just, I'm not, I tried my best to really dig deep and document some of these and find historical basis for some of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not really there, but that's not to say that it's not wildly haunted. So I won't go into too much, but those are two examples that just like leapt to my head of the two types of places you were just describing of like one where the stories have just gone wild, just mm-hmm. absolutely nuts. And then another one where they've really tried desperately to keep those under wraps and kind of not make it the story of the location. Yes. I, I know a couple of locations where I I just, I know management there uh, kind of personally yeah. and they do not allow like ghost adventures. Um, yeah. they, they don't allow that into their location because of the soiled reputation. <laughs> some of the television shows have given other locations, uh, which yeah. I, I find interesting because you would think they would want um, the, the, the business. I, I mean, you would think, but it does make sense because if somebody is very, you know, passionate and respects their location and wants to keep that integrity. I get it. I, I mean, I do. And it's, it's sad that there are locations where this has happened. Um, and I've, I've heard actually quite a few stories about it, which is unfortunate. Yeah. 
that's actually a brilliant segue to to a question that I didn't have on this list, but just kind of sprung to my mind. Um, mm-hmm. And that's talking a little bit about ghost hunting etiquette. And I wondered if maybe you could speak a little bit about that in terms of kind of the energy that you bring to an investigation. I guess I could say, do you ever use um, do you ever use um, provocation as a, a tool in ghost hunting? What's your thoughts on on kind of that approach? No. Yeah. That that is not me. If if you watch my films now, I only have one out right now that actually shows me doing investigating, investigating. Yeah. Um, but I have I have two more that are in edit right now. Oh, and I did. Yes, you can really see the way that I am when I am around spirits or in a location that is haunted. Mm-hmm. I'm. I show the utmost respect. I'm always thanking the spirits. I'm always introducing myself. Each each part of the building that I go into, I do an intro and just tell them that it's just such an honor to be in this beautiful location. I know that it means so much to them. I would love to hear from them. We would love to know your name. And then any type of evidence that I get, I immediately thank them. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a... um it's just a different approach. I don't believe in, you know, provoking spirits. I don't believe in forcing a spirit to do something it doesn't want to do. And no, I don't provoke at all. Cause I do think that that is a a huge piece of why some locations are no longer interested. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you, we, you touched on this before, but I do think a lot of, especially if you look at with all due respect and everything to the the paranormal shows that I kind of grew up watching, there was a lot of provocation and that was kind of, I guess that was true to its time, but I can imagine that some of those places, that level of provocation and constant, just like kind of you're poking at a hornet's nest, like repeatedly. And not only just within one paranormal investigation, and then you bring in other crews and then you bring maybe potentially crews who are a little less experienced or it's, it's very disruptive to that energy. And I can totally understand why, they would kind of be left with a mess on their hands once the the, the dust settles. Um, mm-hmm. They being kind of management or people who oversee these locations, and kind of they have to like figure out well, what do we do now? So I guess coming off of a, a lot of that in the past, I totally can understand why some places are like, you know what, I'm not really gonna let that happen in here. Yeah, I mean, if if there is a haunting where the spirit or entity needs to be provoked that's not a place that I will be going to. Yeah. No, I, I yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's because not the kind of haunting I, um, in, well, it's not the kind of haunting I would enjoy <laughs> investigating. So that's, yeah. that's an, that's an expert level of, uh, investigation. Yeah. I guess, um, next kind of once you would arrive, uh, um, at a location, somewhere you're planning on investigating what, uh, tools and, and experiments or methods do you like to use to kind of start your investigation? Oh, as far as the equipment that I use. Yeah. Cause I think that's one thing that a lot of listeners know nothing about kind of the different devices and their names and what they do and how they can be used. Yeah. You know, I, I have quite a few items that I use. I of course have an Olympus digital recorder. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a couple of other recorders. Um, one being an old school Olympus It kind of dates me when you <laughs> look at it. Um, and then I have a laser grid. Okay. Ooh, nice. Um, 
Yes. I love my laser grid. It's, it's a large one too. I mean, it, it spans a whole room, which is wonderful. It's not one of the ones that are, yeah, it's a really good laser grid. Um, I, I really enjoy that piece of equipment. I do have two millimeters. Okay. Um, one of them has the EMF sensor on it that allows it to light up, which it can, you know, double as a rim pod, which I I also have a rim pod. So I basically have two, two pieces of equipment that, um, are very similar. And then my other Mel, um, doesn't have that, but it it does detect temperature drops and everything that goes along with that. I, I love my Mel meters. Those were my first pieces of equipment that I purchased. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like them. And uh, my last location, that Mel meter stole the show. So well, really excited, excited to get into that. Yes, it was wild. I, I've seen it spike. I've seen it drop, um, but it was spiking, dropping, and then it was going off. And it was, I mean, it was going off in ways that I've never seen it. And I wasn't even moving. I was just standing there. <laughs> and that oh, was it's- the best. I told my, my camera guy, it was like, Oh my God, get it, get it, get it on camera, you know, show, show the Millie gal, show where it's at. And it, it, it was an incredible experience, but um, I won't give too much away on that. Um, I mentioned the rim pod. I do have a spirit box. Okay. And then I, I have a new device, which has been just amazing to me recently and is definitely the star of the show on my Lavaca County jail video and it's called the portal. It's a, um, I'm trying to think of the other names that it has. Um, I think they, I think it's been called a dead box before. I think I've heard it called that before. Mm-hmm. Either dead box or geo box. Um, it, it's basic, basically has a bunch of, I don't know if you're a musician or into music. Mm-hmm. It has, yeah. um, it has like reverb and looping pedals and um, uh, you can actually make them if, if you're into that. I'm not, I, just, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Sounds I wanted it to work. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to find ghosts for me. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I just didn't want any room for error if I was yeah. going to try and, and build it myself. Um, but it's, it's just a, a really neat machine that you hook the spirit box up to. And what it does is it reduces all of that abrasive white noise and it just pushes through the speaking. Got it. Mm -hmm. And then you can like, I do like, like reverb and looping effects to it so that um, when a voice does come through, it'll kind of echo. So you can like really, really hear it and it, it lasts a little bit longer and it's just an incredible device. Highly recommend watching the Lavaca County Jail video that I posted where um, I, it was an event that I brought um, 11 people to. And I mean, it was just going off. I was going to say, I, I saw some footage and I, it was, it seemed like every time you guys were asking for anything, you got direct responses. One very intelligent responses. I mean, there was one point where we were moving to a different part of the jail and I, you know, I told the spirits we were going to move to a different location. They were more than welcome to come along with us if they wanted to talk more. And the, the box goes, have a good day. And, mm -hmm, but on the spirit box, you know, where it's picking up all of this um, frequency and noise from, 
I, I always go backwards. So whenever I'm using the spirit box, when I'm, when I'm flipping through or sweeping through the radio stations, um, I like to do AM. I seem to have a better response with AM personally, Yeah, but I sweep backwards. So what's coming, what's coming out is actually the radio going backwards. So when I get a full sentence or honestly more than a couple of words, yeah. Oh, it's, it's quick. It's, it's, it's really quick. And you can see how quickly those spirit boxes sweep if you've ever used one or yeah. um, them on television. And for any of our listeners who are not familiar with the term uh, spirit box, essentially what it is, is it's a device whose job is to sweep through different radio frequencies. I think it's like every 10th of a second or something like that. I don't recall. So they have different sweep rates. Okay. Um, and I couldn't tell you what the actual uh, totally. terminology is, but it, it's, if you watch someone doing a demonstration on YouTube, you can see that it is extremely fast. You, you probably can't even get one word. That's actually the radio. It's just like, a, uh, 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 like, that's what it sounds like. Cause it's going so fast through the radio exactly. stations. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if, if you were to hear through this device, it's sweeping through and you, like you've just shared yours was in reverse. So it'd be even mm-hmm. more so that if something came through that seemed like an intelligent word or phrase or anything kind of beyond a second of time, uh, it's believed that spirits are able to manipulate the frequencies to emit sounds of their choosing. Um, right. And there really is not a ton of scientific or, or a ton of reason for words to come through because it's sweeping so fast. So it really is a, a pretty powerful tool. It is. And uh, I mean, I'm, I've had great success with it. And especially with the portal, you know, the portal tones down the white noise that you get from the sweeping of the radio stations. Cause the spirit box is actually really loud. It and, is, you know, the first few times you use it, it'll give you a headache, but the, the portal that I use that, that device, it, it just makes it so, so much better to listen to. Yeah. All you hear is talking if anything comes through. And now it does pull through the like little blips that you'll get from the radio stations, like the uh, 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 whatever yeah. coming through. And sometimes you'll hear like music, like one note of a song, but it's just so much better than yeah. using just the spirit box. And that's a personal preference. I, I know many, many people that I've met on social media that would never use a portal. They love the spirit box and, you know, to each their own. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then the other one that we mentioned earlier while we're talking about audio phenomena is we mentioned the Olympus, the old school mm-hmm. voice recorders, um, like the little handheld ones. I know my mom used to have them when I was little. Uh, she was a vocalist and she would always use them to record her voice lessons. And the reason that most paranormal investigators use some of these slightly more dated models is there tends to be a little bit more residual kind of static, like sound within the recording. And in that static, you can pick up a lot of like pops and hisses. And in kind of that general gray area of sound is where also spirits are believed to be able to manipulate and speak through. I have caught some on my own that I have downstairs in my drawer. And it is a wild experience when you actually catch your own for the first time and not just one that you've seen on TV because on TV, in TV, it's cool and spooky and everything. And then when you record your own for the first time, it's like, oh, (laughs) oh, whoa. 
Right. Well, and what's fun about it is you, you don't hear it when you're actually there in your recording. No, um, it, it's really afterwards. So I, I have an old school uh, digital recorder and then I have one of the newer Olympus models, the um, 853 model. And that one that one actually shows the talking in real time. So what's fun about that one is if I ask a question, you know, it shows um, me asking the question. Mm-hmm. It has like a like a, a bar graph feature. Oh, cool! That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a totally lame term for it. I do not know <laughs> the exact terminology. Olympus, I apologize. Um, but if I'm quiet and that starts going, you know, up and down a little bit, then I know that it's picking up something too, which that one's kind of fun, but I do use the old school ones for exactly what you said. They just tend to, I don't know what it is about them. Um, they just tend to pick up voices really well compared to the newer voice recorders that you can purchase, you know, for like lectures and um, meetings and work. I have one that's probably like 12 years old and that thing is ancient. I I probably couldn't even plug it into my laptop or (laughs) I I I couldn't plug it into my vehicle. I know for a fact, but uh, it's just, you know, it's just a recorder. And I mean, that thing really, really just picks up on a different level. I don't know how to explain it. And it's, it's hard to explain. Cause like you said, I mean, everything with these devices is not, it's not like scientifically proven because how can you scientifically prove the paranormal other than to keep creating or using devices right. that can allow you to, to get some kind of evidence that cannot be otherwise explained. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, so, you absolutely. know, if something comes through the portal and like have a good day, there's absolutely no way right. that that is a radio station. So, right. you know, is it paranormal? I, I, I don't know, but it's not the radio. And We're essentially what- building a body of evidence. While we may never be able to prove without a shadow of a doubt, we're building a body of evidence to support this like l- huge claim, I suppose. Well, right. I think that's why a lot of paranormal investigators, um, I, I'd love to get one of these, um, you know, they have thermal cams. I would they use love them. one of those. Yes. And it's, you know, totally not used for paranormal, but if you are at a haunted location and you're using one of those and something pops up, okay, well, what is it? Yeah. I recently bought my very first, cause I have like a, a baby paranormal collection or paranormal investigating collection. Um, one of the things that I've just bought recently was my own EMF detector and yeah. we used it for the first time. Um, I'm a medium and I really enjoy leading seances. Mm-hmm. So earlier in October, about mid, close to the, the full moon in October, um, I had a couple of my really close friends over and we did a bunch of really lovely rituals and just kind of some intention setting and, you know, all the good uh, kind of witchy New Year, Samhain, Halloween portal things. And so we decided to kind of sit together. I put some protection in place. I cast a circle. I uh, lifted the veil. And I will be honest, I live in an apartment building in uh, North Denver, in Thornton, if you're local to here. And while it's not like brand new or anything, but it's also like there's people below me, there's people on either side of me. So I really Mm -hmm. didn't expect to really have a particularly like eventful seance in this space. Not that I don't think that 
uh, entities were called in to speak to us and whatnot. But so I, I, we sat in a circle. I had that EMF detector in, in the middle of our circle. I turned it on, kind of did all the things. And I was like, I guess we start by asking questions. And I couldn't think of what else to ask right in that moment. So I was like, I guess I'll ask, is anybody here with us tonight? Boom. That thing went all the way to red after sitting like flatlined all night. And I just, I burst out laughing. I just burst out because I was like, there's no explanation for that. There's no phones. There's no Wi-Fi. Like there's no, we tested it. We walked around the room to make sure that we were like staying flatlined. And that kind of kicked off what was a fairly eventful and fun seance together. But that was like my first time with one of those type of tools. And it was just such a fun experience of like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that would, I take that as a yes. Yeah. Um, so th- the Mel meters will detect that as well. I'm not sure if you were using like a K2 or um, what type of EMF you were using, but I mean, those are like the original ghost hunting tools. I need to, I need more. <laughs> I want REM pods. I want all of it. <laughs> I want the official oh. box. I want all of it. Hey, Paranormal Weirdos. I truly hope you're enjoying this week's episode so far. If you're enjoying When Walls Can Talk, the podcast, I humbly welcome you to consider making a financial contribution to the When Walls Can Talk tip jar to ensure I can continue to create episodes like this one for seasons to come. Your financial support helps to cover operating costs like recording equipment, editing software, marketing materials, music rights, and helps with the purchase of books, historical publications, and research materials to ensure that every episode is as professional and as well-constructed as we possibly can. If you're interested in making a small contribution, and let me tell you that no amount is too little, please feel free to hop on over to PayPal where you can tip us through my email, Jeremy at whenwallscantalktarot.com or on Cash App through money sign Jeremy Hegg. That's money sign J-E-R-E-M-Y-H-A-I-G. There's also a support link in the show notes for this and every episode where you can support us directly as well. Thank you so much for listening to my little sales pitch and for sticking with me through this episode so far. And now let's get back to the show. For any of our listeners that are completely foreign to hauntings and to paranormal phenomena, I figured maybe this would be a great time for us to very briefly, before we get into some of our specifics, I I don't want to waste too much more time. And I really want to get into some of the locations that you've been investigating recently, but I figured maybe this would be a great time to just talk about different ways that ghosts or energies can appear. And and maybe even briefly, we can touch on some different types of entities. You mentioned intelligent earlier, mm-hmm. and maybe we can make that distinction so people know what we're talking about there. Yeah, I, I'm happy to go into them. Um, I don't know if you wanted to or wanted no, me to. No, please. Yeah, please go ahead. And I'll, I'll add on. Well, and I will say that this is all theory. This yeah. is all um, individualized. This is what my personal paranormal beliefs are regarding spirits. So um, one of them is intelligent. So that's going to be a spirit where if you are trying to communicate or asking them if they'll, they'll do something, manipulate a device or what have you, um, they will. So they are aware you are there. They have enough energy to show you that they are there, whether that be talking through one of the devices that we mentioned, touching the rim pod or the mail meter, um, answering questions on a um, digital recorder to get an EVP. That's kind of your intelligent spirit. I, I encounter quite 
a few intelligent spirits. And I, I think it's just because I go to places that are pretty haunted. Yeah. But I would say the most common spirit or entity is going to be a residual and a residual haunting. And again, this is me talking about it. Yeah. Residual haunting is more so a spirit or entity that is not necessarily aware that you are there, nor are they aware that times have changed. They kind of live in that location on a loop where they repeat events that happen at that location. Like, um, like at the hospital, you might hear residual screaming. You might hear residual gurneys being pushed down a hallway. It's not necessarily an entity or spirit that would communicate with you. You'll just be able to hear it. I've also heard that theory on battlegrounds where people will see apparitions of soldiers walking around, but they won't communicate. So I would consider that residual too. That was my initial paranormal experience at Gettysburg actually was that exact thing. Yeah. There's a lot of, you see them everywhere as if you're open to it. I think even for people who are not mediums or sensitives, I think if you go to somewhere like Gettysburg, Gettysburg is not only wildly haunted, but like profoundly sacred. I would say it's, it's like, it's hollowed ground for sure. And it feels that way when you're there. I feel like a lot of places like that, that are so intense um, in terms of the emotions and the trauma and the experiences that happened on those grounds, it's almost like imprinted into the earth, imprinted into like kind of the surroundings. That was my very first paranormal experience. That was where I was like, oh, this is real. Oh, wow. I- I've yeah. never been. Um, I would love to go. It's definitely on my bucket list regarding paranormal. I have a long bucket list. <laughs> I, me too. Me too. Where I'm trying to plan um, a road trip next summer. We're trying to make it back out to Salem, out towards Massachusetts, and we want to drive out there. And I was like, yeah. which route has the most haunted places I can stop at? <laughs> a lot of them, um, if you're going that way. Yeah. It's uh, very, very haunted up in that area. I'd love to go myself. I've, I've never been to Salem. I do think that there are a couple of more types of spirits. The other two, I I call one of them poltergeist, just a, um, sometimes people will experience, yeah, sometimes people will experience a haunting where the, it's kind of like a mix in my opinion, like the spirit knows it's there, it knows you're there, it's in the location for whatever reason but it doesn't really interact with you. It just interacts with the location. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I would consider that more so like your doors opening, things being moved. Now, if it starts communicating with you or, you know, responding to you, then it changes in my opinion to intelligent, but, or I guess you could hybrid those between a intelligent poltergeist, but if it doesn't, I just consider it poltergeist. Um, and then the other one is just going to be anything that's a little bit more ominous and I don't know what to call it. I don't yeah. call it demonic. I don't call it really anything of spiritual or religious nature. Just, that's just me. Yeah. Um, but sometimes there's just something within a location that makes it a little darker and I don't even know how to explain that, but people always ask me, well, aren't you afraid you're going to come across something that's malevolent or ominous or demonic? And I tell them if that location had something like that there, I would know. Yeah. And you would know because yeah. it would be publicized. And I think you and I could agree that the places that really do have that kind of haunting are very well known. Yes. 
hundred percent. The list for the most part. The Villisca X Murder House jumps to mind. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Places like that where um, it's just known to have a kind of more ominous um, haunting are just, for the most part, are very well known. Yeah. And you have to sign waivers and all the things. Do you want to know a theory? I guess I really can't say this is my theory, but it's it's something that I've kind of taken to. It really, it's something that I've chewed on for a long time and given me a lot of food for thought on poltergeists. I often find, and this is, maybe this is just from my experience as a medium, I don't know, or from the limited amount of haunted places I've been to. So just acknowledging that I'm not the be all end all on this particular topic, but I often find that when poltergeists have developed in a location, oftentimes at some point in its history, somebody has been residing in the location or or exposed to the location for a long period of time with some level of psychic gift or ability. Mm. And I find oftentimes poltergeists can develop. And this is, again, I sound like I'm saying this is the be all end all. It's not. This is just one form of poltergeist that I've run into where if the individual is super uncomfortable with their ability, whether it be um, like they know things by touch, like all the different clairs or whether it's like true mediumship or, or whatnot. If they're not in a place where they feel safe to, to allow that into their sphere of influence, if it's not something they're comfortable with, if it's not something that they want, and mm-hmm. also they don't feel safe enough to like process that, be like, cool, I have this thing that's available to me. It's not something that I really want in my life. I'm going to go ahead and like healthily shut this down which is something you can do. But if it's something that's like, no, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm not going to tell anybody or they felt in a situation where they felt stifled or forced to keep it a secret, you kind of energetically wad up that ability in a ball and you push it outside of yourself. And I often find that people's rejected abilities or or the ability they were trying to dispose of can then slowly over time as it's being fed by its host the person who 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 kind of is filled with this ability um they they feed this they feed mm-hmm. this poltergeist until they're like super super advanced slightly more dangerous quote unquote poltergeists are ones that have been fed for so long that they've developed a consciousness of their own. And they then in turn will turn around and begin to attack their host. And I find that that's sometimes people who are like, like kind of vicious, like going through some like vicious paranormal attacks or like being pushed or pinched or scratched or things are being thrown. Sometimes that is the poltergeist whose only food it's been being fed is this like resentment of self. This is just my, this is just what I've experienced and and a little bit also that I've um, taken from reading and listening to Amy Allen, who's the medium who's on dead files on uh, travel channel uh, for a long time too. It just, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept because it makes sense to me. It makes sense that like this, like huge part of who you are, if you haven't been able to take the time to kind of like grieve that and and let it go and move on and shut, shut down the abilities, which is absolutely valid and totally doable. That can end up being something that gets pushed outside and kind of starts to manifest in a physical way. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard that theory before, but it totally makes sense. And, you know, just because 
if you Google online, different kinds of haunting, let's say there's only three come up. It doesn't mean that there's another kind of haunting that nobody has really talked about. I mean, like, like what we've been saying with the, the devices that you used. I mean, it's, it's very hard to put, you know, to, to quantify paranormal. Um, It's very hard to put scientific evidence towards it. And the thing is, is nobody really, really knows. Yeah. I know that there are some great mediums, psychic mediums out there that can, can speak to the dead and ask them questions. But I mean, as far as calling something, something. Right. No, that's um, a really good distinction. Yeah. Like calling a spirit residual or calling it intelligent. I mean, these are just Honestly, I mean, these terms are probably very new. I mean, I would say within the past few decades type new. So, I mean, if there's another type of spirit that, you know, feeds off of the energy that you are talking about, I mean, who knows? It's just, nobody knows. (laughs) Yeah. If we knew we would know the answer about extraterrestrial and uh, like, we would know the answer to everything, but, but clearly we don't. Because here we are, no. which is great. I get to build a whole podcast off of it. <laughs> yes. And I get to, you know, talk about real estate and hauntings and film haunting places. I love it. I love <laughs> it so much. It gives me such joy. Fuck I love it. Too. Fuck Muggle Lives. It's so boring. Yes. <laughs> so boring i am not made for that Mm-mm. but no um i think i think we're gonna go into um some of the locations that i've recently been to um yeah. i don't know if, how you want me to describe them um more so on the line of paranormal activity or or yeah. what would you like like to Let, like let's to learn talk about some of um kind of some of the things that you've documented and some of like the, the coolest stories and experiences that you've gotten to share with uh, your crew. And um, for some of them, the, the public that you invited to join you for them, particularly thinking about the jail. But I also know that some of them, you really have kind of come away a little, at least personally, a little bit empty handed, which I think is equally valid in not only equally valid is like extremely important actually in paranormal investigation is that you won't always walk away with, a perfect hour long episode ready for the television. (laughs) No, he won't. And and that's, that's such a great point where, you know, you have to have the right expectations when you go to a haunted location. I mean, even myself, I I spend a lot of time and resources and other people's time, you know, going to these places and trying to not trying to capture something, but it's more so like in like educational, you know, let's talk about the history and let's see if anything comes through. But yes, there was one location that I went to. I won't say which one, but I personally did not have any paranormal experience on it. Um, Loved the location. It was an absolutely amazing experience for me, but me personally, and I went all over that dang location. And, really? Mm-hmm, and we like split up and we just weren't getting anything. My, yeah. my group, we just, we weren't getting anything and um, it was fine. I mean, it's again, it's, it's all, it's all relevant to what you're doing. I mean, you, you can't make spirits do something and, you know, sometimes it's just not the right environment for them, yeah. you know, whether it be weather, whether it be time of day, whether it be, um, whatever factors are causing them to not want to communicate or not be around at that given time. But I will say when we did split, my other team members did get some paranormal activity. I just wasn't a part of it. So uh, to be 100% transparent, I haven't even seen it. So 
Yeah. No, um, I, I don't. I know what they captured, but I haven't seen it myself. Oh, I'll be so curious. Did you yeah. have any? Did you have any feelings in the location in terms of like? I feel like another huge underappreciated instrument for paranormal investigation is us, is our bodies Mm -hmm. like that. The prickle on the back of your spine, the goosebumps. Did you have any feelings whatsoever? Did it just feel quiet and peaceful? Um, You know, that location was so big. We didn't even, we didn't even go to probably half of that location. Um, It was just massive, like massive location. And you know, I, I really didn't, I was so enthralled with the history of that yeah. location and just learning about like, you know, where we were in the location and what happened there. I didn't sense anything. Um, it didn't help that they had mannequins everywhere. Oh my God. That's distressing. <laughs> well, and the location that I went to last week had a mannequin. I was just like, what is with these places? A mannequin? <laughs> um, but so like that, you know, terrifies anybody i would i would hope um especially if it's dark (laughs) yeah but you know i i I really didn't i I think that that was more so just a really beautiful location that has been insanely preserved i I mean it's open to the public it's not open um at night like i was there we were there i think for eight and a half hours during the night yeah and it's just an amazing place that you can go to. I mean, you can pay the $15 or whatever it is and walk around it, but being there at night is just so different. It's quiet. Um, it's not on land. <laughs> if that is a hint <laughs> at all. Um, and, and so that makes it even more interesting to me. And I just, I had this like idea in my head that it was going to be so haunted. We were going to get so much paranormal activity just because yeah. I associate water with paranormal activity. I do as well. Especially salt water. And, yeah. you know, we just, we just really didn't get anything. Um, there was too much interference with my spirit box and the portal. Um, and I think it it's because there was so much steel. I, I think that the, I think we weren't getting anything on the radio. Yeah. No, that makes the sense. There wasn't anything to disrupt or to alter. No. And I mean, I guess we could look at it two ways. Um, so my spirit box wasn't functioning properly. Therefore my portal wasn't even doing anything. Yeah. And I, I had just gotten the portal. It wasn't my first time using it, but I had just gotten it. And I even thought to myself, you know, did something happen with it during travel? Is it defective? But, you know, as soon as I got back to my house, a couple of days later, i tried the portal again and it sure enough, it was fine. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that was paranormal activity. Um, me being not a skeptic, but just to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, I think it probably has something to do with all the metal, um, in that location. It was made completely of steel. That makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Um, that was a recent location. Um, I've been back to the jail since filming at the jail. Oh, really? I didn't even yeah, I haven't even told you about this, but no. I I filmed a well, I didn't film it. I was in it. I, I was in a music video and oh sick. The, That's so cool. The band contacted me. They saw the jail and then they asked me to be the female lead. So um yeah, so I went back to the jail and I had more paranormal experiences 
filming the music video like and it was completely different no um they were filming a part upstairs and i was upstairs and me and um actually the lead singer we were just kind of waiting around for our turn and we were close to the stairs like the the long stairwell that leads you up to the jail cells that were built in like 1874 i don't know the exact date in the 1870s and I heard footsteps. I mean, like loud footsteps coming up the stairs. And I thought it was the special effects gentleman that was there that was doing some of the special effect makeup. Uh huh. I don't, his name is Rooster. I was like, oh, that's Rooster. He's, you know, coming up the stairs. He's like six foot, a million. He's super tall and he would be loud walking up the stairs. <laughs> and I kept looking back. I kept looking back because I was sitting in a chair kind of near the stairs, probably about six feet away from the stairs. And I kept looking back and looking back and looking back. And I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> Why is he taking clicked, so long? But it clicked. And I realized he was upstairs with us. He was, he was in the part that they were filming. Oh um, they, were just, they were wearing masks. So I didn't know who was who at the time. Everybody yeah. was the same, except he was, you know, like six foot, a million. And so <laughs> tell, I tell sign. <laughs> yeah, I, I tapped the lead singer and I was like, hey. You heard, you heard that, right? <laughs> oh, he freaked out. He was like, what do we do? And I was like, do anything. Yeah, you, what are you, you going to do? <laughs> but um, I've had plenty of experiences at that jail. I, I adore that jail. I adore the management team there. They're the best. They are also like family to me. But I mean, I've had rim pods go off, the portal has spoken more at that location than any other location so far. I haven't had any EVPs there, but I also in, in my digital recorders defense, I only used it for about 20 minutes. So in that 20 minutes, you know, total, I I haven't, yeah, it it wasn't a long amount of time. It was kind of an afterthought. I was like, Oh, I didn't use that piece of equipment. (laughs) Yeah, No, I totally get that. But um, I, I guess the last location that I've gone to uh, more recently over the past month or so was a haunted hotel. And um, that one, I got tons of evidence there. Um, that's the one where I mentioned that I had the mail meter going off. I had the rim pod going off um, and the rim pod going off was absolutely incredible. Um, we were filming in like the kitchen area of the restaurant of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And it's not operating that the restaurant doesn't operate. The um, kitchen doesn't operate. It's just there. And it's super creepy, super creepy. And so we had the rim pod um, kind of in the middle of, I don't know what you would call this kind of like a a center Island in the kitchen, I guess, where they would prepare food, chop vegetables. It was in the center. We weren't near it. It was just like in the center of that Island. And um, I, I won't say exactly what happened, but. You're going to have to go to the YouTube channel to find out. Well, it's just, it's funny. Like it went off and then I, I made a comment about it and it, it went off again, but it proved me wrong. Almost like it went off again to be like, no girl, I, I can do this. So it was a really, really neat interaction I had with that spirit amongst other things. A lot of things happened at that hotel. It was a a great location. I cannot wait to put out that film. I'm so excited. I'm excited to, well, I, I, do not get me wrong. I absolutely loved all of the um, kind of initial videos that you put out in the historical basis, because that's like my bread and butter. That's what I love about. And that's what I do mostly on this podcast is like 
75%, let's break down this history and figure out where these hauntings could come from. And then of course, at the end is like the payoff of like, here's all the things that happened. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved it. I loved your historical, but I'm, I'm really excited too to kind of see um, your experiences in the videos that are coming out. That's so exciting. Yes. And uh, there is no shortage of experiences. <laughs> I, it sounds like it. Can I ask, um, since we're kind of in the, our last like 15, 20 minutes, I, I mm-hmm. really want to hear what's your, what's your hope for the paranormal investigation aspect of your life? Do you have any dreams or goals or uh, like, what do you think the future of your investigations is going to be? Uh, you know, I really don't know. Uh, I do this to brand myself yeah. in real estate. I think we talked about this a little bit in part A little five. bit, but no, please go into it. I think it's really, it's unique and it's fascinating. And I think it really makes you stand out. I would love to hear more about your philosophy behind it. You know, it's really just something that I am passionate about, um, that I wanted to bring into my personal branding, but also my professional branding. Um, and again, I think I touched on this last time, but I, I'm just very annoyed and over the way that real estate agents brand themselves. And I get it, you know, I do get it. And I think that to each their own, if, if, if that's how somebody wants to market themselves and, you know, act rich and popular (laughs) and drive around in a Bentley and (laughs) and host with champagne and throw money everywhere, (laughs) you know, to each their own, but that's not me. I've, I've always been a little bit darker. I've always you know, just been a little bit different. And I figured, you know, this is my business. I mean, I, I'm a real estate agent and I, I kind of own my business. I mean, I work for a brokerage and I'm part of a team, but me individually as, as a person and as an agent, I can brand myself however I want. And, you know, I, I think I said this too, last time, I don't necessarily list haunted properties. Right. I, I would love to, but um, the biggest issue with that is you don't have to disclose if your house is haunted when you're selling it, you do right. not have to do that. So a lot of people don't want to do that. If their yeah. house is haunted, they, they want to sell it. They don't it would take a very like, particular oh. seller to want to lean on that as a selling point. Right. But you know, I, I would hope that eventually I can become a resource for people who do live in a haunted property to help them having that real estate background and having the paranormal background and also having resources for cleansings, investigations, things that can help them out in order to figure out, like we talked about, what kind of haunting is it? Okay. Well, who do we need to contact in order to either remove the spirit, cleanse the area? How do you properly do that? I mean, I, I think that, I mean, if I was just person and I was experiencing, experiencing a haunting, I I wouldn't know what to do. What do you do? Yeah. So I think that my platform as a real estate agent, I I would like to see it go more in that kind of a direction. I would like to be a resource for other agents. I mean, maybe they come across somebody who has a haunted home or wants to sell a haunted home and needs help with it, or just needs some assistance where I just, I don't see it in my industry at all. I, I yeah. don't know anybody else in real estate in, in Houston, in Texas, or in the United States. And yeah, I've never longer. heard of it before. Well, I haven't either. And um, I'm not doing it to, you know, be on television. Um, I really do it for entertainment purposes, education and branding. And I think that I just, I really just want to be known as somebody who does it in a respectful way. Um, yeah. I'm not 
like we talked about, I'm not the kind of person that goes in and provokes. I'm not trying to scare people. I, it's so funny. The hotel that I keep talking about, there's, there's a part in it where we get a, a very profound piece of evidence. And um, my camera guy, he ran it back for me so that I could watch it. And it's just, you see my face light up. Yeah. And he even said it. He was like, look how big you smiled. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I like this. I mean, no, I, I enjoy it. I so understand that. I like, I giggled like a little schoolgirl when my EMF detector goes off. It's not something you could like, the first time you have an intelligent response in a paranormal investigation is just, it's, it's unlike any feeling ever. <laughs> it really yeah. is. It crosses veils. It crosses time. It crosses all of it. And it's, I also love the fact that in that moment, you suddenly feel like you're a part of the history of the building. Yes. You get a window into whether, whether it's residual and you're like getting a glimpse into a moment in time that's on loop, or it's an intelligent spirit who's actively trying to communicate with you from God only knows when and what period which actually let's maybe let's pivot to that before we go today about how is it was at the hotel that nobody really knows who's there or why. Right. Am I thinking of the right location? Yes. Yes. So the hotel that I went to, I, I did as much research as I could on the place. It's actually not known to be haunted. I say that there have been a couple of publications that the two most recent owners have done, and I'm talking, this is a very small town in Texas. Yeah. So when I say publication, I mean like the local newspaper. Totally. Yeah, totally. It's nothing televised at all. Um, And not very many paranormal groups know about it either. And there's stories behind it. And obviously there's records of ownership behind it, but it's just so funny that no one really could tell the story the same time. Like mm. I, I didn't hear the same story from anybody or online twice. Every time I read something or talked to somebody there, it was a different story. Yeah. And it was funny because we were, we were kind of trying to adopt a different style of film for this one. Cause it was such a different location for us. And I was like, let's just do like a candid conversation. Yeah. Um, they gave me a vlog camera. So I vlogged the whole time while we were doing the investigation and tour and in my my vlog camera, I'm like walking around and I'm like telling a story. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, wait a second. Now I think it's this story. And then I finally, I just get so frustrated. And I'm like, I, I don't know who the fuck is haunting this place. Yeah. And I'm frustrated at this point. And, and I was because I was like, well, how am I supposed to do this properly? Because I don't even know. How do I even ask questions? But, you know, the location spoke for itself and the spirits there spoke for themselves. I did deduce it down to a few options of who it might be, whether it was male or female. So they were very helpful in that regard, but yeah, that was a frustrating one um, at first until, and it's so funny, it was frustrating until the spirit started to give us evidence that they were there. And then it was Uh. like, okay, we're just going to let you guys lead the way, just lead the way and and tell us, you know, show us, tell us no doubt in my mind that place is haunted, but yeah, that, that was a, it was just really unique because it's just one of those small town places. It was built in the very early 1900s. Okay. It was originally, originally used as a boarding school. And then it operated as a hotel for many, many, many years. It was abandoned during the, um, 
it was the great depression. It got, it was abandoned and it's just so crazy. You walk in there and you just walk into a different time period. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I think that's but, my yeah. favorite part is that is you get to escape to another time. I try to escape to, there's a whole bunch of, I think, I don't remember if we talked about this last time I had you on the show. There's so many um, ghost mining towns out in the mountains and mm-hmm. many of them still have a few people living on them. So they're still private properties. They're not somewhere I could like roll up with a full investigation squad yet, but you still get to stand there and imagine these, mines from like the 1860s 1870s that are still the structure is still standing there and you like you feel like you can hear it still humming and working in your brain just because you're like on the same ground and the mountains of Colorado are are so wild literally they're just a wild place and you feel a little bit like I, I can only imagine Texas has so many places that are similar where you feel like you've just like fallen back in time by accident yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's really interesting about Texas is Texas is one of the m- more newer states uh, compared to like, you know, a Massachusetts um, <laughs> where I grew up. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It, it's just it's one of the it's one of the states that was founded later on. Yeah. And so infrastructure down here is a lot newer than, you know, like on the East Coast. Yeah. Not to say that that doesn't mean it's not haunted. Um, there's particularly a lot of locations. I don't know if you've ever heard of Galveston, Texas. Yeah. So I live about an hour and a half from Galveston and obviously have vacation there many times, but there are quite a few very, very haunted places there. And it's because we get a lot of hurricanes and Galveston. Yeah. Right so there was a very very traumatic hurricane. I believe it was 1901, the uh, 1901 hurricane in Galveston. And so the structures that have outlived, I guess that hurricane are all very, very haunted. And one of them is like a hotel that's there. There's a bunch of really beautiful buildings um, that used to be, um, I don't want to say palaces, but one of them is actually called Bishop's Palace. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just these beautiful homes. You should Google them sometime. The, the architecture is just astounding. It's yeah. just amazing architecture, but they're haunted as hell. <laughs> it's very, very haunted. Um, but yeah, Texas, Texas has a lot of haunted places, but I, I personally would like to experience different kinds of hauntings. You know, I, I believe like Louisiana has different kinds of hauntings. I believe Arizona, New Mexico has different kinds of hauntings. I believe the East coast has a different kind of haunting. I, I've really only experienced Texas. So yeah, I would heartily agree with that statement. Um, growing up in Massachusetts, granted, like for for many of the t- many of the years that I spent in Massachusetts, I wasn't particularly uh, interested in my mediumship or even just like kind of being aware of it. I was actually. I remember I was one of the things I was going to ask you at the end of this episode, but I feel like we already covered um, your story in the previous episode. Is like one of the cr- the clearest. Uh, the clearest examples of paranormal or like craziest, clearest, spookiest examples of paranormal activity that you've ever experienced. I know mine. Um, when I, <laughs> when I lived in Boston, um, just outside of Boston in Dorchester um, in a particular area of Dorchester called Savin Hill. And the building that I lived in was old. I have no idea how old it was, but quite old. And it had been re- renovated into uh, like three floor apartments or three floor condos. Like each, each floor was its own unit or condo or whatever. I was in my bedroom, ironically watching 
classic ghost hunters from back in the day. So I was already, I was a little on edge to begin with, I will admit. Um, I kind of think I was probably one of the only people in the entire building because it was like dead silent. Um, I had my bedroom lights on, but every other light was off. But I had my bedroom door open because my roommate, who was a good friend of mine, uh, I was waiting for him to get home from work because we needed to talk about some like business stuff, whatever, kind of usual catch up. Um, So sitting there with my bedroom door open uh, and I heard the door open. I heard the door close. I heard footsteps Mm -hmm. down the hallway and I heard somebody moving around in the kitchen, which shared a wall to my bedroom. So I heard the footsteps. I looking back at it, I could swear that I heard cabinets moving like drawers opening and closing and cabinet doors opening and closing, but I can't remember it clear enough to be like, yeah, absolutely. That's what happened. But it was loud enough that I got out of bed and like walked out to the kitchen to talk to him and (laughs) nobody was home. All the lights were, I was the only person in that unit. All the lights were off. I turned right back around. I went back to my room. I closed that door and I was like, we will talk in daylight. (laughs) Yes. Like that was one of my, but that's, I would say that that is like Massachusetts hauntings are intense. Um, I think there's a huge amount of, I think, I think there's a lot of residual. There's a lot of footsteps. There's a lot of like weight shifting. There's a lot of just like people caught in actions for eternity on, on cycles. Denver is very, very intelligent. And also there's a lot because this ground is also so sacred to the indigenous peoples of this area. It's, it was sacred to all of the indigenous peoples, of course, but like there's something about the mountains out here that I've run into the wildest of non-human entities and spirits out in the mountains. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it sends shivers down my spine thinking about it because they're so ancient. They're so old. And a lot of them are like from the earth. Uh, we would call them like elementals or something like that. But it was a very different energy where the, the, the entities and paranormal experiences I've been around out here have all felt very like earthy and ancient. And the ones in Massachusetts are very, they're from the, the time that the state was developed and founded. And um, it helps that most of the buildings at least have a foundation, like liter- like a literal foundation in the ground from that era. I remember the house that I grew up in mm-hmm. as a kid, the foundation was poured um, in the late 1770s and or actually- Oh early, gosh. Oh yeah, early 1770s. Like part of the basement was still like a rock pile with like cement smushed between it. It's a very small part, but like part of the foundation was still original. And I know that was the case for a lot of homes around me because they were all, we had a lot of basements. We had a lot of basements. Well, and you know, the structure of the building foundation walls, um, the wood frames, whatever it's made of, um, and also what it still has in it. Um, we didn't touch on this, No, but, we didn't. you know, locations that look the way that they did whenever the event or events occurred that are possibly causing that haunting, whether it's residual or intelligent, like the jail. I mean, the jail looks exactly like it did when it shut down. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking Lizzie Borden too, the Lizzie Borden house in Mm -hmm. Massachusetts, same thing. And there's, um, I filmed a hospital and uh, it, it, it looks, it still has furniture in it. Yeah. It has furniture. It has an organ in the, in the chapel. 
It has the pews in the chapel. It has gurneys. It has the nursery has cribs (laughs) in it. And I mean, and that's a very, very, um, how am I trying to say this? It's almost like, you know, the spirits, they feel right at home because nothing has changed. And, And there's so many theories related to this, but a lot of times whenever buildings do sit like that. And let's say they're not really known to be haunted. Like, let's say that hospital wasn't really known to be haunted. When people start going in and renovating, I know that there's um, a theory where you start messing with the structure and it like releases the Mm -hmm. energy back out into the world. And then it becomes even more haunted. So um, I could talk about paranormal theories all day, but (laughs) that's, and you're also describing kind of where the name of my podcast came from to be honest. Oh, really? That was really kind of my vision was because I knew the phrase like if walls can talk and, you know, kind of all those different variations on that expression. And Mm -hmm. I definitely wanted it to be with a little bit more assurity. So that's why I shifted it to when walls can talk. But it was that same idea of like, I think that spaces contain the memories and the images and the emotions and the traumas and the joys and the, of the people that live their life in them dead or alive, honestly, to be like, mm-hmm. really, but I, that same thing is like, as the more and more I was digging into paranormal and, and the Coke Patterson that we talked about back in season one, we talked about the same thing of like the workers started working and then all of a sudden everything was going haywire. Exactly. But I also think that a lot of people when they pass on sometimes pass so fast that they, are unaware that they've passed in the first place. I I will say from a medium, that's one of the the things that I run into the very most is people or entities or ghosts or spirits or or that are just very confused and are hunting for their family members that should be here, but they're not here. What happened? And I think that when you change a building or change its furnishings or uh, all that, you, you only add to the confusion and agitation but yeah, no, I, I, again, we could talk about paranormal everything for days, honestly. Um, yes, we could. Part but, three. Right. But I, again, I just wanted to say thank you for giving another hour of your time to helping uh, kind of educate our listeners on hauntings and kind of what goes into investigating them and some of the tools and some of your stories. No, it was a pleasure. i I love talking about it. Obviously, this is something that I do as a hobby, but also, you know, semi-professionally just yeah. for my brand. And I just want to say that if anybody is out there and they have questions about hauntings, paranormal activity, different kinds of spirits, any of the devices that we talked about today, I mean, they're more than welcome to reach out to me um, and definitely watch some of the videos that I've put out if you're interested in seeing some of those devices in action. And where could we, where can my listeners find that? Where's uh, where are those videos located? So full length videos are going to be on my YouTube channel as well as my Instagram. Okay. My YouTube channel is price paranormal. It also does have my name in, um, in the title as well as that I am a real estate agent. And then my Instagram is my full name, Christy Price, with an underscore at the end. Thank you so much again, Christy. This is a joy. This is so much fun. I've been looking forward to this all day. (laughs) (laughs) Me me too. You're a pleasure to talk to. And 
happy to come back anytime you need somebody. I'm here. I guess I guess this is a great time to do like a little final plug before we sign off. Ooh, um, okay. For all of our listeners, there is in the, the show notes for each and every episode anchor, which is the platform that powers my podcast allows me to include a link at the bottom with voice messages. So you can submit a voice message directly to the podcast. If you have questions on specific things that you would like me to ask Christy about, or if we want to do a paranormal Q and a episode, if we get enough submissions, go ahead and send those in, please, 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 please. Cause that would give us a little idea of kind of where you're questions and thoughts are still remaining because we really want to involve you guys in these interviews. I would love that. I would love to answer questions. Well, thank you so much, Christy, one more time. And I look forward to having you on the show again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been an episode of When Walls Can Talk, the podcast, written, researched, and edited by your host, Jeremy Haig. I would be honored if you'd consider one friend that you think might enjoy this episode and share it with them. There's nothing that brings me more joy than listening to episodes or songs that my friends recommend. So please share the love with your tribe. Listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a rating or a comment so that this one-man operation can take off to a whole new group of listeners. Please don't forget to visit my website, www.whenwallscantalktarot.com, to learn more about me, the show, and to purchase our brand new merch finally available on our online shop. Listeners to the podcast get an exclusive 10% off using the code WITCHCREW at checkout. Don't forget to reach out to me on Instagram at whenwallscantalk with underscores for spaces or email me at jeremy at whenwallscantalktarot.com. So long, paranormal adventures, and I will see you next time on When Walls Can Talk. <laughs>